Welcome to the Mama Matters podcast. Whether you're expecting, you've recently given birth, or you're just starting along your fertility journey, it's time to get down to the nitty gritty and sort fact from fiction. I'm your host, Rosie Dumbrell, physiotherapist and pregnancy expert. Mama Matters aims to provide an easily digestible, up-to-date and evidence-based approach to pregnancy, birth and motherhood with a side dose of humour along the way. Interviews from the industry's leading experts and experience of my own adventures as a mother to three gorgeous boys under four. I want to share the stuff that helps to grow confidence throughout motherhood. Mama Matters is a podcast by Lenny Rose Active and this is what you can expect to hear in upcoming episodes. In the hospital I would say everyone needs to be very well aware that they've passed urine within four hours of giving birth whether it's cesarean or vaginal so there is a low risk of urinary retention and it's related to a whole bunch of things it can be um, pressure on the nerves which disguises the sense of the bladder and it can be the traction on the nerve from the birth process or it can be surgically related from the anesthetic or from the babe welcome back welcome to episode 15 we are chatting with the lovely lovely annette beauchamp today or fan Annie, as she goes by, a women's health and pelvic incontinence health physiotherapist who has been in the game for a really long time and has just got such a wealth of knowledge. She practices in Melbourne at the moment and has been yeah, in the area of women's and pelvic health and continence since 1995. So Annie is one of my go-tos for any information around pelvic health, sexual health, pre to post baby. And she's here today to talk to us about bowel and bladder health and sort of symptoms that you might need to look out for during pregnancy and the postpartum period. So the more we can spread awareness and sort of normalise what happens in pregnancy and postpartum and also bring to light what we shouldn't put up with and uh, what is perhaps common but something that we don't have to put up with. You know, that's what we're really all about because knowledge is confidence. Yeah, we want you to have the most sort of informed and positive journey throughout this beautiful period of mother. So without further ado, I introduce the lovely Annie with a quote from her website, which just sums her up so beautifully. Life has been a gentle flow, forever pulling me towards women's health. I love working with women and watching them succeed with their bodies and lives. And here she is. Thank you for making the time to chat to us today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no problems. You do go by the self-governed or self-coined name, Fanny Annie, <laughs> and you are the expert of all things to do with women's pelvic health and all the sort of transition times between pre, during and post baby. So great to chat to you today. And what we wanted to talk about today is around bladder changes, bowel changes and sort of prolapse. And obviously these are common in the female population, especially in that sort of pre to postpartum period. So what are the signs and symptoms that someone might be experiencing if they're having some problems with prolapse or bladder and bowel changes? Sure. Okay. Well, during pregnancy, there's increased um, urinary frequency that's pretty much due to the weight of the baby and due to the softening hormones of estrogen to a much greater extent and relaxing to a much lesser extent. Those two hormones also slow the bowel down. So the it doesn't get lazy, but it just works less efficiently when you're pregnant. So often people will present with constipation and they can't figure out why when they're on a perfectly healthy diet. And it's really related to this 
pregnancy change. And mm-hmm. prolapse really isn't an issue during pregnancy. So as soon as you're around about 12, 13 weeks, the baby is large enough that it pulls the uterus up into the pelvic into the abdominal cavity and then it's there right to the end and at the very end when the baby engages people panic a little that they might have prolapse but in fact it's engorgement of the tissues Mm. so that's not a worry during pregnancy and even if you've had uh, prolapse before people often say that they were better during the next pregnancy postnatally there's a couple of issues so with bladder and bowel you know, people so focus on the birth that they don't know to ask, you know, what changes might happen afterwards. Often people will have increased urinary frequency in the first week and that's related to you getting rid of all the extra fluid volume that you've had during pregnancy. So at the nine-month mark, you're sort of at 170% of fluid. So if you think normally you're at 100% of fluid, then you've got another 70% of fluid. And, yeah, you do lose mm-hmm. quite a lot of that at the birth but people are still a bit puffy for a while after the birth and it's usually a week or two before they lose all that fluid so we a lot in that first couple of weeks and people are sort of a bit amazed about how much they're weighing. In the hospital, I would say everyone needs to be very well aware that they've passed urine within four hours of giving birth, whether it's caesarean or vaginal. So there is a low risk of urinary retention and it's related to a whole bunch of things. It can be um, pressure on the nerves, which disguises the sense of the bladder, and it can be the traction on the nerve from the birth process, or it can can be surgically related from the anesthetic or from the babe. So it's mm. just when people go into hospital, they should be a little bit connected to their bladder and make sure that they have weed within four hours. And if they haven't, they should tell, you know, the nearest nurse or doctor. Mm-hmm. Typically people won't have a bowel action um, until about day three. And if you've had a vaginal birth, you're actually really quite anxious about your pelvic floor stretching because it's been through such a massive stretch. <laughs> God, that first poo. <laughs> that first poo. Um, but it's also that hangover of hormones that the bottom, the muscles on the outside of the sphincter just forget how to let go. So I'm always keen to let pregnant mummies in my classes know when you get to hospital, as soon as you've had that baby, drink heaps, have lots of fruit, veg and fibre and all the normal things that make you want to have a poop. So the um, high fruit intake, because fructose does naturally want to make us have a poop. So dried fruit, dried prunes, fresh fruit is a good idea. Even though we're dying to tuck into the cheese and alcohol and chocolate, maybe just hang off until you've had that first poop. And it seems to be the unplugger. So then people tend to then have more normal poos after that very first poop. Surprisingly, it can also be a really painful experience for post people, which makes me think it's very hormonally dominated, that whole slow bowel recovery. And because you haven't had a poop for a few days, your bowel motion tends to be a bit dried out because the lower end of the bowel's job is to dry out the bowel motion to allow room for more honey, fruit, fluids, and have a poop. And if you haven't had a poop by day three, do something to make yourself have a poop. So it might be take a medication or extra fiber, or I'm always in favour of give yourself a tiny suppository or enema on day three if you can stand the thought of it because then bang it's done within half an hour and then Mm. you can get back on track more quickly. 
But that's yeah. the bladder bowel thing. Then uh, postnatally, we're shocking at putting ourselves first because we now have this little emperor or empress that we're paying attention to. <laughs> and so we forget to have poops. We get busy and we think, oh, yeah, I'll have a poop later. And we just don't time, make time to have a poop. So your body wants to do this about 30 minutes after your first main meal of the day. So that two messages there. One, have a meal at the beginning of the day, have breakfast, and two, make sure that you've got time 30 minutes later to have a poop. And even if it means taking your baby into the bathroom or toilet with you and plonking them on the floor. In fact, if you do that, it makes you sit beautifully for your poop because you put your legs wide and park the baby between your feet. Um, Mm -hmm. So it might be difficult to relax if you've got a screaming emperor or empress between your feet. Yeah, don't not have a poop because then we go back to that scenario of the poop dries out and it's harder to do later in the day. I think you just have to get used to as a mum, like you might not have alone time in the bathroom for a very long number of years. I sometimes have all three of my children in the bathroom, but that's okay. (laughs) Pointing out things you didn't want to know. okay you know we're all about you know exposing the truth here so (laughs) yeah yeah and I always say they're not going to tell anyone because by the time that they've established a memory you've stopped taking them to the toilet you know I'll go so far as to say they're very interested as to what is going on in the toilet too by the time they get to about two that which is even more funny so yeah and then I suppose happily then you're a good model for them so this is where we do absolutely just you know yeah <laughs> anyway, we've got to have a laugh. Yeah, you do. I, I want to add yeah. quickly after that. So don't let yourself get constipated. Don't go 48 hours or longer without ever having a poop. And uh, mm-hmm. it is not so much uh, concentrating on how many poops a day or a week we have, but concentrate on softness and easiness. So was this poop soft? Was it easy to do? And if it was, then you're not constipated. But it, even if you're pooping three times a week, sometimes you need to be pooping more if that is a dry, hard, difficult poop. Okay, so that's the end of my poop stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's part and parcel of the women's health physio, isn't it, talking about poo? Oh, yeah. I'm a bit of a poop queen. <laughs> With your bladder, so probably for the first time in your life, people notice stress urinary incontinence. So the stress there refers to physical stress on your pelvic floor, and that means that when you do something, there is a downward pressure on your bladder and your pelvic floor. <laughs> And the pressure downwards is greater than the strength upwards of the pelvic floor and you leak. So typically this is coughing, sneezing, exercise, but it can be as simple as lifting up the baby in a funny angle. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of learning to squeeze when you do these activities that make you vulnerable. And then you should, should, should go and see someone who can correctly teach you how to do physical pelvic floor squeezing. And I'm always in favour of learning from someone who will do a pelvic floor vaginal examination to show you how to do this rather than do it through a diagnostic ultrasound screen. You learn far mm-hmm. more from a vaginal examination and you do a far better contraction that way. Yeah, look, and something that I am really passionate about as well is, you know, just that education that the six-week checkup often doesn't 
necessarily cover that internal examination and a full assessment of pelvic floor and of the abdominal wall, especially if it's done by your GP or by your obstetrician. Although I do have to say that my obstetrician was fantastic and I think did a really good thorough assessment, maybe not quite to the women's health level, uh, with the women's health physio level, but pretty amazing, which I think is rare. What other sort of, I guess, encouragement can you give a woman to go and have a a proper thorough six-week checkup with a women's health physio or osteo who specialises in women's pelvic health and what might be some signs and symptoms that they might you know, really need to prioritise that. So I just think if there's anything between the belly button and the knees that you're more than mildly concerned about, you should go and see someone who's an expert in that particular topic. And Mm -hmm. when you go to see your doctor, they're looking for um, medical problems. And when you go to see a physio, they're looking for physical problems. So they're looking Mm. for uh, muscular issues, organ issues, function issues, so how you use that particular thing. So we are looking for different things. So you do have to be a bit kind to the GP and they often don't know everything that we do. I absolutely want everyone in Australia to go and see a pelvic floor physio somewhere between four and six weeks. But sometimes, you know, there are a lot of factors that get in the way. But I would like people to know that in various countries in Europe, the government actually pays you to go and do it. So they think it's that important. In France, for example. And parts of Scandinavia as well. Yeah, I'm always in favour of it. You know, you're always going to learn something valuable out of your postnatal visit with a physiotherapist. Just on that, what's the sort of access in terms of public health? So if someone doesn't have the financial capacity to go and see a private women's health physio, is there any options for them there to seek more I guess, affordable or get a rebate or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. for someone who doesn't have that capacity. Sure thing. Okay. So if you were in a public hospital and you have an identified problem, uh, you will be automatically referred to a physiotherapist. And if for some reason you have been missed, then you should contact the hospital where you had the baby and ask for that. In Victoria particularly, there are continence clinics throughout the bigger cities and bigger country towns. And there will be a wait list attached to all of those. But I think if you uh, ring them and explain or they, they will have a way to contact them. But I would always ring so that you can talk to someone who can advise you how to do something well. Mm. But they will tell you how to self-refer or to refer through your GP. If there is a wait list, my attitude is always that time will pass and it's always worth going to see that therapist. And if they give you a cancellation visit, then I would thoroughly recommend that you pop in and take that cancellation visit as much as you could, you know. Mm -hmm. So there are other options. It's a few of the community health centres around will also have people who've done their postgraduate training in pelvic health, but not every single one. But they will know who the um, local public referral point is. Yeah, great. I mean, and look, yeah, if you are someone that is in the, I guess, in that sort of category where you can afford to see a physio, we were just talking about before um, how, you know, it's it's a difficult profession to work in in a lot of ways because, you know, it's it's sometimes undervalued a little bit in terms of paying for health. But if you are lucky enough to be able to afford to do it as a woman who is in that pregnant and postnatal period, it is, you know, 
perhaps some of the best money that you can spend on looking after your own health to, you know, really understand, you know, if there is something going on or sort of where you're at in terms of your recovery so that you can really approach, you know, getting back into to life and approaching motherhood with the best sort of basis of support. Yeah, I think this is one of those times when um, you can use that adage of stitching time. So if you do mm. something very early postnatally, it will save you a lot of time, effort and money later mm. on down the track. And no matter how busy you think you are, you're always going to be busier when those children grow. So make mm-hmm. time now, prioritise your pelvic floor now. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And then just so just lastly, what does someone who's never seen a women's health physio, what do are they to expect when they sort of turn up at the clinic for an assessment? I think it can be something that's perhaps a little bit daunting. Yeah. So can you enlighten us? Okay, <laughs> sure. So I think every different physiotherapist probably runs their practice quite differently. In our practice, we have um, an hour assessment with someone initially, which does sound like a long time, doesn't it? So we'll probably mm. talk to someone for 15 to 20 minutes and find out uh, how they went through their pregnancy or pregnancies birth and their postnatal period and so there's a lot of quite intimate questions about bladder and bowel um, gynecology past sexual experience abdominal health and um, musculoskeletal health which means joints bones muscles and then we'll probably talk to them about their breastfeeding as well then a physical examination will really depend on what they have said so pretty much I will always encourage someone to have a vaginal assessment and I will always assess their abdomen for abdominal separation and show them how best to contract their lower abdominal muscles to support that and teach them how to use it functionally, which means as you lift things, including the baby, and Mm. do that with the pelvic floor. Very occasionally we um, need to do a rectal examination, so particularly if you have um, bowel problems, bowel leakage, or a sense of heaviness in the bowel, we might have to do a bowel examination. And sometimes if you have muscular and skeletal issues, we might also assess the spine and pelvic girdle which means the sacroiliac joints and the pubic joints and possibly the hip joints as well. Then after that, we sort of established like what's the prioritised list of issues here and what do you need to work on and then give you some advice. And advice can include strategies and what to do as well as what not to do. And homework, which might be exercises for the pelvic floor or abdomen. It might also be relaxing exercises for the abdomen and pelvic floor occasionally. And then we might also set you some other homework like recording things, so a number of urinary accidents or keeping a urinary diary or a bowel diary, or we might get you to record heaviness at what time of day it comes on, that sort of thing. And then Mm -hmm. if there is an issue, we will definitely plan to see you again at some point. And it, it just depends on what that issue is. So it might be one week later, it might be a month or six weeks later. And if you have no issues, then we'll probably tell you information about when you could expect to return to exercise and talk to you about sex and that sort of thing. You know, I'm such a huge fan of the work of, you know, everyone in the women's health sort of area. It's so important and it is so important that we prioritise ourselves. and, you know, such a healthy message that you're sending there. 
there. So thanks so much, Annie. <laughs> yeah, and we will pop all the details uh, to be able to contact you uh, in the show notes should someone who's Melbourne-based uh, want to have an assessment with you and you're doing home visits at the moment um, to help sort of improve the sort of COVID-19 situation. So yeah, I'll pop all of that information in the show notes. So thanks so much, Annie, and we look forward to chatting to you in the next episode. Thank you very much. So I hope you found that useful, interesting and, yeah, just bringing to light some of the things that sometimes I think we just think we should put up with as part and parcel of the pregnancy to postpartum journey. But women's health physios are just angels put on the earth to really help us navigate this tricky time. And if you have sort of symptoms or things that you're sort of putting up with silently, then let this be a little reminder to get out there and to go and see someone like Annie. She's given some great links to recognize recommended women's health physios across different areas in Australia. So I'll make sure that those uh, links are in the show notes and all of the details about how to contact Annie in the show notes as well. So we'll have her back again on the podcast talking about sex after babies and can't wait for that episode coming up soon. So if you're loving what you're listening to, please give us a shout out on your socials. You can tag us at Lenny Rose Active or use the hashtag Mama Matters. Have a beautiful day, ladies. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Lenny Rose Active, Australian-owned, three-times mum and physiotherapist-designed luxe, active and technical wear for the pregnancy to motherhood journey. You can find us on lennyroseactive.com.au or on Instagram at Lenny Rose Active.